We've been in this series, 40 Days of Prayer, and we've been walking through this devotional, uh, 40 Days Circling Prayers, Believing That God Changes, and it's been just amazing and wonderful. It's written by a man by the name of Mark Batterson, and in the book, Mark tells a story uh, of how God led him years ago to begin circling Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., on what he called a prayer walk. He would just pray. And that that circling uh, event around Capitol Hill, where their church now resides as well, was like a 4.7-mile walk that he walked every single day. And he drew a circle there, and it took him more than three hours to complete it the first time. He has been circling that daily now, he says, for uh, more than 15 years. And what started as just a small church has grown and seen God answer prayers that have been prayed on that circle journey for 15 years. That Now they're a church with over seven different campuses and locations and hundreds and thousands of people are getting saved and set free. And they've been unleashed on mission all because he decided that he was going to pray hard. To pray hard. Sometimes it's not really about the volume of our prayers that makes it hard. Sometimes it's the perseverance of our prayers that make praying hard. And we want to become a people that pray hard. We've we've talked a lot in this series already. And last week we talked about dreaming big, dreaming big, setting our sights high, believing that that God can do a whole, whole lot. And and if we're going to dream big, if we're going to pray big, there's a, a component of our heart, a component of our posture, something in us that says, hey, we need to not only dream big, but we need to pray hard. We need to pray Hard and, and today I want to talk to you on that subject of praying hard. And, and praying hard re- really requires two things. And we're going to unpack them here in a minute. It requires consecrating your life and walking in obedience. Consecration and obedience. Can you say that? Consecration and obedience. Taking these daring steps of faith. I want to open up scripture and read this morning out of Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. So if you brought a a paper copy of Scripture, turn to Joshua. If you have a digital copy, click over in your Version Bible app to Joshua 3. And if you don't know what either of those two things are, grab your phone, open up the web browser, and go to faithchurchks.org. And there's a spot there called Sermon Notes, and you can follow along with the entire message today on our central hub. You can take your own notes if you'd like, and I'd highly encourage you to do it. Joshua Chapter 3, we've been looking at the life of Joshua quite a bit in this series. And you already, uh, if you've been here in the last couple weeks, you've heard us talk about Joshua, how Joshua was the second leader of this nation of Israel. And they came out of slavery in Egypt like 40 years ago. And now they came to a place where their leader had died. Moses was gone. Joshua took over and they had to get into the city. They had to defeat a city named Jericho in order to grab a hold of this promise that God was giving them, this thing that they had needed and wanted. But And we talked a little bit about that dreaming big last week when we talk about their conquest and how Joshua led the people with courage and boldness to circle the city and saw God do an amazing, miraculous thing 
Um, but I want to back up just a step and, and show you what happened before they got to Jericho. They had to cross the Jordan River. And that's where we find uh, the story right here. Joshua chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Let's, listen, to, listen to this. It says, Early in the morning... Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan. Now, you have to have a special biblical degree in order to read words like that in public. Just totally kidding, by the way. But it always makes me nervous. Went to Jordan where they camped before crossing over. Somebody say crossover. After three days, anything ever in the Bible important happen in three days? Come on, sometimes you just got to pick up on these little things. It's pretty amazing. Three days, right? Three days. After three days, they went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. And this is what they said. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Now, the, the Ark was a place that contained like the Ten Commandments of stone. It contained a couple other artifacts that were really important. But don't miss the symbolism because it was in the ark, inside this box that they were carrying, that God's presence literally resided. So essentially what they're saying is when you see God start to move, follow it. How many of you know it's important? When you see God start to move, you, you need to follow it. When, when as a church, we're starting to see God move in people's hearts, we're starting to see prayers be answered. Come on, it's time to jump on board and say, I'm going to take the 40-day prayer challenge, and I'm going to jump in, and I'm going to pray too. Why? Because I see God moving, and I don't want to miss out. When you see God move, when you see the ark move, you need to follow it. You need to jump in, get behind the vision, catch the vision, volunteer, start giving generously, join the mission, be a part of what God is doing. Don't just sit back and sit out. If you see God moving, jump on and be a part. It's important. And he says, when you see the, the, the tabernacle start to move, then follow behind and you will know which way to go because you're following God. You're following the presence of God. It's important that the only way you're going to know which way to go is if you follow. Why? Because you are going away. It says in verse 4, you've never been before. Some of you, God wants to take you somewhere you've never been before. He wants to take your marriage to a place that's never been before. Your parenting to a place that's never been before. Your studies in school to a whole new level that it's never been before. He wants to take your friendships to a place you've never been before. You don't know how to get there on your own. That's why you've got to follow what God is saying. And he says, follow it closely, but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Don't go near it. Verse 5 is so important. It's the key verse for us today. It says, Joshua told the people... Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Highlight that verse in your Bible. Consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself, we might say. Consecrate yourself. Skip to verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan... River is at flood stage all during harvest. Giving you a little context. This isn't a little creek. This is a roaring river. Hop in your kayak, 
throw on the GoPro and make YouTube history kind of a river, right? That's what's happening in this story. It's overflowing in the banks. It's not a clearly defined. It's coming up and it's growing up. I've been to the Jordan River. It's different parts are well over where all you can do is get your head barely above if you're still going to touch ground. Other parts, it's up over your head. And the Jordan River is a nasty river. It is not a clean place. There are spots in Fort Scott Lake. Come on. You're like, I need to bathe seven times before I ever go anywhere after I get in that part of the lake. That's the Jordan River. And God says, you're going to walk into that. You're going to walk, walk, walk into that. And so the Jordan River, it's already at flood stage. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the presence of God, the ark of God, reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over. Come on, somebody say cross over. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completely crossed on dry ground. We're not talking about a few hundred people. We're talking about millions of people had to cross over on dry ground. As they follow the presence of God. That's something pretty amazing, isn't it? Something amazing takes place when we pray hard. Let me unpack uh, uh, three or four things this morning as it relates to praying hard. Some principles, some thoughts to help us as we set ourselves to pray hard. First one is this. Praying hard requires consecrating ourselves to God. I can't consecrate you. I can't pray a prayer, sprinkle magic dust and oil on you. No. You have to consecrate yourself. It's something that you must do for you. Mom and dad can't do it. Grandma's prayers can't do it. You have to consecrate yourself. To consecrate simply means this, set apart. You have to set apart yourself for God. You have to do some things that set yourself apart for God. Did you ever have a a special room in your house or maybe in your grandma's house that was kind of like only for special occasions? That furniture that maybe had the plastic on it that nobody ever got to sit on because it was too special. It was set apart. Growing up, uh, we had uh, some certain apparel that we called our church clothes. Anybody have church clothes? You only were to wear your church clothes when you went to church. You set them apart. You consecrated them. You set them apart and said, no, these are only for a specific purpose. Don't miss this, friends. Your life in its entirety needs to be set apart for something, someone, Super special. His name is Jesus. The entirety of your life 
How you run it, how you operate it, the way you think about the the world around you, your perspective, your ideology, your political views, everything in your life should be consecrated, set apart, different from everybody else perhaps, because it is fully reserved for God, fully honoring to God. Joshua was telling Israel literally, If there's anything in your life that is not God honoring, divorce yourself from it. In other words, remove it, divide it away, go a different direction. If there are relationships that are honoring God, walk away from them, consecrate yourself. If there are habits that you've gotten into that don't honor God, remove them from your life. Don't try and avoid the temptation when it comes, eliminate it today. Consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart. If there's an area in your life that isn't honoring to God, if there's something in your life that would make God cringe, if there's something in your life that would make him uh, not feel honored and valued as the most important in your life, that's something that you need to take, look at, and set it aside. It's called consecration. And it's hard work. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy to set it aside and say, here, this is what I'm going to do. There's an a, a, a old church word that uh, many of us maybe, maybe have heard in our, in our lives, and that's the word conviction. It's like, are you being convicted by God? I don't know. Maybe, yes, Jesus is the answer. I I don't know. Like, like, like this word. And, and we kind of like, don't know what to do with that word because like God is loving and he's just and like conviction. We're like, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. What's really happening here. Here's, here's, here's a, maybe a better translation for that word. And and we read about it, and I think it's John 13. Uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit. And he says, hey, listen, the Spirit of God, who is holy, he is set apart, he is different, he is other than. The Holy Spirit wants to come into your life when you put your faith in Jesus, and he will convict you of truth. In other words, a better way of saying it is he will convince you of what is true. See, You are living your life based on a set of things that you've been convinced about. Some of you haven't walked into church for years because you were convinced you're going to drop dead the minute you hit the door. Some of you, you haven't pursued your spouse with any sense of romance because you are convinced you'll get turned down. You have set a pattern of living in your life because you've convinced yourself of something. But to be consecrated means that when the Holy Spirit starts to try and convince you of some things in your life, you realize the truth and you consecrate yourself. Is this making sense? Joshua told the people, you have to consecrate yourself. If you want to see God do something amazing, consecrate yourself. You have to consecrate. If you want to see God move in a way that you've never seen it before, 
Consecrate yourself. When the Holy Spirit starts to try and convince you that the pattern of living, the habit of living, your living arrangement, your activity that nobody else sees and that you try and delete off the browser history, the things that are in your life that that you know are being convinced that that's not right. You know God wants you to do different. You know he wants you to think different. You know having racist thoughts isn't right against any people despite their color skin. But he's trying to convince you of some things you got to be willing to consecrate it and set it apart. you got to be willing to say, you know what, God? It's not honoring you, so I'm going to change it. It's not honoring you, I'm going to change it. That opinion, that gossip, that perspective, and God, it's not honoring to you. Do, you. do you want me to change? Yeah, and I'm going to set it aside. I'm going to consecrate myself for God, I'm going to consecrate myself. To I'm going to set it aside. Another way to think of consecration is this. Another maybe definition of consecration is not just to set apart, but also to be fully in, to be fully devoted. In other words, is there anything in your life that you've devoted just to yourself, your own agenda, and you haven't yet devoted it to God? What is it in your life? Is there something that hasn't been fully devoted to God? Are your finances still your control or have you devoted those to God? The way you parent, have you devoted that to to God? Your schedule and your routine and your habits, have you devoted those fully to God? Listen, God is not looking for half-court followers. God is waiting for a group of people who are willing to do the hard work, to pray hard and say, no, I'm going full court. It's a full court thing with God. It's not a halfway thing. Listen, my kids have never asked the question because they know it's good for them. Hey, are we going to church today? Is it Sunday? We're going to church. Pastor, that's because you work here. Listen, this has been a part of my life before anybody ever called me pastor or daddy. I've settled it. Like, my kids, their, their question that they really ask is, is it church day yet? We are creating fully devoted followers after Jesus. We've just settled it. Why? Because Sunday is set apart as something that we do as a family, no matter come hell or high water, unless there is ice that I can't drive on or sickness that I can't spread, we're going to show up to church. (laughs) There is no tournament, no hobby, no preference, no perfect weather for golfing that's going to keep us from the house of God. Why? Because we are fully devoted. We have made a decision that we are going to be consecrated to God. What is it in your life that needs to become more fully devoted? Maybe you've partially devoted it to God. You've partially devoted your business to God. Maybe it's time to become fully devoted to God. Dr. J. Edwin Orr was a scholar and he specialized in history of revival. And Dr. Orr once took several college students to England and they visited Epworth Rectory, which is now a Methodist Museum. It was the childhood home of John Wesley, who is the founder of the Methodist movement. Now, in one of the bedrooms, there were two impressions in the floor. 
And those impressions were believed to be the spot where John Wesley knelt in prayer every day. There's a groove in the floor where his knees always hit when he prayed, where he got in his circle to pray, where he set aside and set apart and consecrated this space as this is God's space right here. These two knee holes belong to God. And as they were getting back on the bus, Dr. Orr was counting the college students as a good educator would do and realized that they were missing someone. There was a student missing. And so he goes back in the house, looks, goes upstairs. And in those knee holes are two knees of one Dr. Billy Graham. And this young Graham was kneeling in the knee holes. And Dr. Orr heard him pray, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. Dr. Graham is perhaps one person who has led more people to Jesus in my lifetime and in any of our lifetimes ever could imagine, started because he consecrated himself in a place of prayer and said, God, do it again in here. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Friends, we need to become fully consecrated to set ourselves apart to set aside the things that don't honor God, to become fully devoted in every arena of God, to predetermine yes to God, that God, no matter what, the answer is yes, because I'm fully devoted to you. You need to begin, friends, to consecrate your marriages to God. God, anything in our marriage that's not honoring to you, we're going to set it aside and we're going to pursue you. Any attitudes in my life, I'm going to consecrate it to you, Lord. You want to consecrate your kids. You want to consecrate the school that you go to and attend and say, God, I'm setting this apart. We're going to be fully devoted in this hallway and in this classroom and in this conversation and in this locker room and in this field and on this court. God, I'm going to be fully devoted to you. I'm consecrating my life and saying, God, I'm setting it apart. And God, you can contend. You can count on me, God, to be ready to move when you move. Joshua told Israel, you have to consecrate yourself and see what God will do. And see what God will do. We have to contend for a mighty move of God. But as Pastor Mark Batterson notes in the devotional that we've been walking through, he says, we absolutely can't just pray like it depends on God. We also have to be willing to work like it depends on us. This is the second thought that I want to, I want to help you to grab a hold of today. Praying hard requires taking a daring step of faith. Consecrate yourself first. Set yourself to be fully devoted in every arena. But then there comes a time where you have to take a step of faith. We must be willing to take the initiative and go first. Before God answers, we go first. Before God reveals, we go first. Before we see it all turn around, we go first. The priests had to go first and put their feet in the river before Israel could ever walk across on dry ground. See, before when they came to a river and a, and a sea known as the Red Sea, and they couldn't cross on their own, Moses stretched out his staff and the waters just like parted 
Walls of ocean cleared and dry ground was seen. And they, they just walked across the land dry ground. But there was no staff this time because it was a different thing. God wanted to do a new thing in their lives. God wanted to reestablish his work in a different way in their hearts. Convince them of something. Help them to see new things, new, new, new dynamics. And so they had to step first. Well, God, what do we do with the second step? Step first and then you'll get the second step. Jesus' disciples obeyed the Lord's commission to go into all the world. And in Mark 16, I think it's verse 20, reminds us that as they went to preach the gospel, signs and miracles followed. Some of us are sitting back and say, God, if you'll do a miracle, I'll surrender all. God, if you'll change this, I'll, I'll surrender all. God, if this light turns green right now, if this train magically disappears, God, I'll never doubt you. Again, and we're waiting for the signs to show up before we obey. Friends, it will never happen that way. Walking in faith, praying hard requires us to take a hard step of faith, knowing that if we take the first step, God will then reveal the second step. We need to pray about it, absolutely, but then we need to act on it. We need to act on it. We need to step into the river, whatever that river is in your life. Maybe you have a dream of being a designer or a dream of being a graphic artist or a dream of having your own photography studio. What class have you signed up to learn how to use that camera that you spent a bunch of money on? What tutorial have you started to watch on how to use Photoshop? Like, like you have a dream, you've been praying hard. What step of faith have you started to take? You have to take a step of faith. You want to you wanna see God get you out of debt. Fantastic. Get out of debt. Pray about it. But have you written down a budget yet? Have you cut up the credit card yet? You, you, wanna, you want God to do a miracle, but what step have you taken what step have you taken? You, you, wanna, you want things to change. You know, you're struggling with something. Depression has been setting in. It's been attacking you. Have you talked to a counselor yet? Have you asked for prayer yet? What, what have you done? What step of faith have you taken? Yes, we've got to pray about it. Yes, we've got to believe God about it. But we've got to act. we got to move. we got to get up off our ask and take a step of faith. We've got to move. We've got to move baby steps. You want to get healthy this year. Have you put the day and the time of the week that you are going to exercise on your calendar with 700 reminders yet? Well, no, I'm just waiting to see if it's going to be a good day to go out for a while. No, it ain't going to be a good day. You just got to schedule it and obey it. Somebody say consecrate. Somebody say obey. obey. Obedience is always required before results show up. There, there comes, don't miss this, there comes a time when prayer becomes procrastination. There comes a time where prayer is no longer really that powerful because what's really needed is your movement. Prayer can get to a point where it becomes a form of spiritual procrastination. There are some of you, you've been praying about the same thing for years. I'm praying about a good time to, to join the church. We got a luncheon today. Let's go. 
Some of you have been praying for the time, trying to figure out, Lord, when's the right time to, to step and to take the cl- No, today. Don't. Yes, go. Yes, move. Take a step. We have to get beyond procrastinating. Here's why. Because delayed obedience is disobedience. I remind my kids all the time. I obey right away. Make them look me in the eye and say it. Most of the time because I've already asked them three times. Hey friends, I obey. Say it with me. I obey right away. Delayed obedience becomes disobedience to God. We can't delay. What if they stood at the banks and thought, well, you know, it's a little cold in there today. Let's wait till it gets a little warmer before we step into this water. It looks like these rapids are flowing a little bit too fast. We might get swept away, knock my feet out. You know, I haven't really eaten my protein yet today. It's probably not a good day to do it. Maybe we should just, Joshua, are you sure you heard God? You need to pray some more, Josh. They had to take a step. They got to take a step. They have to take a step. You got to take a step. Because when you take a step, faith begins to build. When you take a step, God begins to send the answer. It, what, you got you to gotta take a step and then you start to see God will move. It is faith and it is action. It is faith and it is action. The Bible says in James that faith without works is it's dead and works without faith is pointless it's a both and proposition it's not an either or we don't do works to earn god's blessing we don't do good works so that god loves us and forgives us nope We receive all of God's promises because we believe that they are true. Faith and works. But there comes a moment in our lives where we have to move out in faith. It's a faith and action kind of a thing. Again, it's not because we're trying to earn our salvation, but we're acting because we are saved. It's not that I'm acting because I want God's love. I'm acting because I have God's love. It becomes a different motivation. It's a working out of something that's already in, not a working out so something can get in. It's it's a faith and a works. There is always evidence of God's work in our heart when we're working. Praying and never acting leads to procrastination, for sure. But acting without praying leads to presumption. You don't get to just, some of you, you are action-oriented people. You're like, awesome, let's go. Let's do it. I'm in. Let's go. Where are we going? How do I get? I don't know how to get there. We're going. Let's just start driving. We'll figure it out as we go. You're like action-oriented people, right? Listen, you can't start acting and feel like, oh, this is really good. This is starting to work out. This must be God's plan. You don't get to hit the target. You don't get to shoot a bow and arrow, walk over to it, draw a target, and say, bullseye! I'm hearing from God. If only it were that easy. No. See, to to act without faith is presumption. To act without having a word from God would be presumption. If Joshua was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God's done it this way before. Somebody get me a stick. I'm going to stick it over the water. Let's go, part waters. And they wouldn't have worked. Why? Because he would have presumed that because God did it that way before, he's going to do it again that way. 
You can't presume to know the will of God. You only can hear the will of God and then obey. Then obey. Faith and works, they go hand in hand. But don't miss this. Don't miss this. If you're taking notes, I really hope you'll write this down because this will, this will really, really help you. Get this, get this, get this. Initial obedience doesn't mean immediate results. Initial obedience doesn't mean immediate results. They stepped into the river and the river stopped flowing upstream. The Bible gives us a specific location that it stopped upstream, uh, where it stopped flowing upstream. You know that place was 19 miles upstream. How long do you think it took for the water to stop flowing 19 miles upstream to where it was fully dry where they're standing? Their initial obedience instigated the answer, but it wasn't an immediate result. Your prayers, they are instantly working towards God. God is instantly doing something. There's something that's happening there. Your initial obedience will not equate to immediate results. Sure, there are sometimes God does a miracle. There's something miraculous that takes place. And this was a miracle at work, but they had to take a step and then take a second step. I don't know how far in they got if they got up to their knees and were like, man, this water's still flowing pretty good. Joshua, are you sure you heard right? I mean, are you sure? I think we bailed on this. I think we need to, we need to figure this out. It is still flowing. I still feel the fit. It's not dry yet. I'm not a weather predictor, I'm not a scientist, and I'm not really Captain Obvious, but uh, there's still water in the river. Like, they were standing there waiting, but they were standing in faith and standing in obedience. Don't bail on your obedience because you haven't seen the answer yet. Don't bail on it. Why? Because your initial obedience doesn't mean immediate results. This is so, so true. I see it all the time in our faith. Like somebody comes to church, they get their life saved. God does something amazing and they start walking in a direction. And all of a sudden they thought everything would just keep parting. uh, Waters would just keep parting in their lives. And all of a sudden they hit this point where it's really hard and it's difficult. And all of a sudden they think that like God's going to just like, it's all going to go away as if your 25 plus years of dysfunction, God can heal in 20 minutes. It took you 20 years to get that way. God's not going to do it in two weeks. There is a process of obedience. There is a repetition to our obedience. And too many people bail out. Well, I prayed. I went to church one time. It didn't really work. I went to a group once, but I didn't really like it. I gave one time, but I didn't get a check in the mail the next day. Doesn't work. Doesn't doesn't work. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Joshua, you missed it. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. No, 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 no. Don't bail. Because you're in a process that is developing your faith stronger and stronger and stronger. It requires your faith and your obedience in a repeated fashion. Faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. This is all about stewardship. You obeyed one time, but will you obey him again? And each moment of obedience reveals to Father God that you can be trusted with more blessing. 
Each moment of stewardship, each moment where you say, God, I'm consecrating my life. I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to take that step. It reveals to God that he can trust you with more. And when he sees that you are faithful to obey in little things, then he knows that he can trust you with bigger things. It's the issue of stewardship. You earn those things over the course of time in the kingdom of God. And everything in God's kingdom operates in the principle of stewardship. Don't bail on it because you won't see immediate results. Here's, here's the last thought, and that's really this. Obedience and consecration, those two things, they will never be convenient. It, it'll never be the perfect time to do it. The stars will never align fully. And if you've been praying prayers like, God, if you'll move this and do this and change this, then I'll obey. It'll never happen. I'll, I'll start consecrating my, my tithe and bringing it, returning it to God. I'll, I'll, I'll consecrate my finances to God when I have more resources. No, you won't. Because when you get more resources, it only exaggerates the way you manage it now. Well, if, if, God, if God gives me a, a really close wife, somebody that, that'll do this and do this, then I'll change my ways. I'll, I'll quit acting this way. No, you won't. You'll pretend for a little while, fake it out, and then you'll go back worse. Obedience and consecration are never convenient. I'll sign up to serve when the kids get a little older and things quiet down at home. No, you won't. Because the older the kids get, Jesus, help us. Like it, it doesn't get more calm. It, it doesn't. What, what pattern are you setting in your life? Where have you consecrated? And where have you made a decision to obey? Those times where it's convenient to start obeying God, they'll never come. Uh, well, 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 we'll quit sleeping together. We'll get married after we plan a wedding. No, honor God today. I'll buy the license, do the thing. We'll sign it. We'll start honoring God in your relationship and then we'll celebrate later. We'll plan later, but consecrate to God first and then walk in obedience and see God move. Consecration and obedience are so crucial to your life. Don't wait to set it apart. Don't wait to say, God, I'll do it. Don't wait to obey. Don't wait to set it apart. Don't wait to consecrate. Don't wait to be fully devoted. Do it today. I'll quit cheating on my test just after I pass this one class. No, stop today. I'll share my faith with my friend once I get a little more courage and I kind of feel out where things. No, if God is prompting your heart, do it today. Don't, don't wait. Don't delay your obedience and don't wait for the convenient time for your consecration because those times never come. Recently, I was told about a, a mom in our church and she's, Sensing God leading and God's developing a dream in her heart. She told me last week, I'm going back to school. She's heard something that she believes is God and she's taking a step. It's not a convenient real time in her life, but she took the step. Talked to, a, to another teacher in our church, full-time teacher. Has a 
a one-year-old at home, currently taking a full load to finish out her master's degree. You can't tell me that's convenient. It's, it's not. But she's walking in obedience to what God has asked her to do. Consecration and obedience. Friends, I want to challenge you today. Decide to take a step today. Do something small. Do something small. Something. Write something down today that you're going to do to show God that you're willing to follow in obedience. It's a step of faith. You won't have guaranteed results. You don't know if it's fully the right move. You may not know, but if you sense, if you're hearing, if you're consecrating, say, just go, just go, just go. Consecration and obedience. Release the the restricted flow. Think, Think of it like this. God is pouring into the top of a pipe and that pipe is trying, that, that, that fluid, that liquid is flowing through trying to get into your life. When you are unconsecrated to the Lord, there is something that is contaminating and clogging your pipes. And what God is wanting to pour in, the answers that he's wanting to give can't get to you because they can't get through your life. They can't get through it. And when you consecrate your life, set some things apart, start again. When you fully devote yourself to God, those pipes, that that travel way, it begins to clear out. It begins to clear out. And now the blessing and the answers and the things that you're wanting to see God do start flowing in and start seeing change. You start seeing movement. You start seeing those things take place in your life. Why? Because you've consecrated yourself and walked in obedience Where in your life do you need to obey? And where in your heart do you need to consecrate? Do one small thing today. Take one small step today. Go first. For me, in these 40 days, I've been circling several prayers. For years in my life, I've been praying that God would allow me to write a book. I've been praying for years since I finished school. So over 15 years, I've been praying and waiting and hoping. And this year, I'm getting off my ask. Stop asking and I'm going to start acting. And I only share it publicly because I wanted you to know by way of prayer and accountability. See, because now it's public. And I've got the first draft of a book called Mindset Matters. And my dream is to release this this year. But now requires a lot of hard work of editing and redesigning and rewriting and reworking and... (laughs) But it's time to pray hard. To stay consecrated and to take a small step. See, if I'm going to finish this, it's going to start because I finished chapter one. And then I finished chapter two. And on down the line, What's one small step you need to take today? No more delays. Consecrate and obey. Consecrate and obey. Will you bow your heads as we pray? Jesus, thank you for helping us know what we need to do. Thank you, Lord, for that. All of our church praying together here in this moment, if you would say, Pastor, 
today I realize I need to consecrate or I need to take a step in obedience. The Lord is speaking something in my heart. Would you just by way of uh, saying yes today, would you just put your hand in there and say, yeah, I'm going to take a step. I'm going to consecrate. I'm going to do it. Absolutely. Lord, you see these hands and you see these hearts. Lord, we are accountable to you, Lord. We want to consecrate, set it aside, become fully devoted. And then, Lord, we're going to take a step of obedience. Give us the courage and the grace to do it in faith, Lord. That's what we want. We want to see you do amazing things in our lives. As we still pray, every head bowed, every eye closed, you can put your hands down, friends. If you're here today and you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, you've never put your faith in him, you've never said, Jesus, I really, truly want to devote all of me. You've never devoted. Maybe there's some other areas you know you need to, to devote. You need to re-devote or recommit some things to God. And, and today you want to ask Jesus to come into your life, to save you, to forgive you, to fill you with his spirit. And today is the day that you're going to say, Jesus, I want to be in your family and I want to follow you fully. If you want to follow Jesus with everything you have, would you just put a hand in the air so we can pray? Thank you so much. Hands back here, hands up here. Thank you so much. Hands going up. Thank you so much. I see those hands. See that one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Church family, can we all pray this prayer together? Say, Father God, I believe in Jesus. Thank you for sending him to me to save me. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me, for making me new on the inside and washing away all of my sins. I consecrate my life to you, Jesus. I'm going to follow you with everything I have. In Jesus' name, amen.